Going to come on back in. Seems like some good visiting going on there. Okay. Well, good morning again, everyone. Um, I'd like to, to begin uh, a new series here. It's going to be four parts to it, and the series is going to be on stewardship. Stewardship. See, that didn't have the same reaction as the second floor. I don't understand. What's wrong with stewardship? There we go. There we go. Who's steward? Okay. Behave. No. Um, so we know in Genesis chapter 1 that, that God uh, created everything. He created the heavens and the earth, and he saw that it was good. On the sixth day, on the last day of, his, of creation, um, he created man. And, and in Genesis chapter 2, it kind of talks a little bit more about the details of that creation and, the, and our purpose. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And so from the beginning of time, okay, part of our purpose is to steward what God has given us. Okay, and so God gives his creation to us to manage it. So right from the beginning, God has established a management company, okay? And essentially, this is what stewardship is. The Greek word for stewardship is oikonomia. (laughs) I knew I was going to mess that up. Oikonomia, okay? And I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's made up of two, two Greek words, which two Greek words make that word. One is law, and one is house. And so that word stewardship, it literally means to manage a household. To be a steward is someone who's been given responsibility to manage the affairs of the owner of the house. Let me ask you a question. Who owns the house? 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says, For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's. This is our Father's house. Amen? And he's called us, he's entrusted us to take care of it, to manage it, to cultivate it. God is the owner. We are the managers. God is the owner. We are the managers, okay? You're going to hear that again later on. So go ahead, turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 25, and and we're going to read through here the parable of the talents. And through this parable, I want us to see some stewardship principles, okay? Some stewardship principles. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. I really encourage everyone to bring your Bible. I just find that there's something about actually seeing the Word of God uh, physically in a book 
Uh, I don't know, something about that for me anyway, <laughs> maybe not for all of you. But, uh, but if you don't have your Bible with, this, we'll, we'll, with you, we'll have some scripture on the screen for you. So let's read this, script, this story together. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So a talent is, is a, a weight and a measure of, of money, okay? And, and one talent, that's not, that's not a little bit, okay? But that is a lot of money, okay? So he didn't just give him five bucks. Uh, someone said that, that if you translated one talent today, it'd be something like $1.5 million. Okay? I've heard a few different people say that. Right? And he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. And he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So he just dug a hole in the ground, put the talent in the ground, and buried it. After a long time, the Lord of the house, of the, the Lord of those servants, came and settled accounts with them. And we're in verse 20. So he, had received five, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Another translation might say, you were faithful over little things. Right? And so isn't it neat how $7.5 million is little to God? Right? Um, but because you've been faithful, I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he would receive the one talent, the one talent servant came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So God's like, the least you could have done. Right? Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. So he took away what he gave him. Verse 29, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Okay, so this morning what I want to do is I don't want to, to examine this parable and try to discern exactly what this parable is saying. And quite frankly, there's a couple things here I'm not sure about. I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, but what I want to do is take three very general but very foundational principles of stewardship, okay, and, and talk about those today, okay? And so um, I think that, that those principles are going to set, kind of set the course for this series, but, but also just, just give us that solid foundation to stand on when it comes to stewardship. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for today and, and, and what you've done here and for your presence here. And now, God, I, I just pray that we're going to get a hold of your word, that, that we're going to just get, um, like, there's just going to be a, a click, that there's going to be a switch that's just going to turn on today, that we're just going to get revelation in our hearts, in our minds of your word today. In Jesus' name, and I just believe and trust that your word is going to go forward, and it's going to accomplish the purpose for which it for which it is sent. And God, I just pray that your word is going to change our lives today. In Jesus' name, that when we receive this word, that our lives are going to be changed today for you, and for your purpose and your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to begin by asking you a question. In this parable, in this parable, who owns the talents? The master or the servants? The master. We can see that pretty clearly. The master owns the talents. The master owns it all. And so the first principle, the first thing I want us to see and understand about stewardship, God owns it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, God owns it all. Psalm 89 and verse 11 says, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded and established them. God owns it all. Everybody say, God owns it all. Okay, now here's a very important life point for us today. If God owns everything, then we own nothing. If God owns everything, then we own nothing. Everything in our possession is his, right down to your underwear. You own nothing. I own nothing. God owns everything. Psalm 50, verses 10 to 12, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know, I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. I love verse 12. 
I love verse 12 because God is essentially saying here, if I did need anything, I wouldn't ask you (laughs) because you own nothing and I own everything. Amen? Everything in our world, everything in our possession has come from his creation. It comes from all the minerals and the elements and all the resources that God deposited here in creation. No one has created anything new. All creation was in those six days. Okay? Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and the honor and the power for you created all things. And because of your will, they exist and were created and brought into being. How many of you got some diamonds? How many of you wearing some diamonds today? Anybody? Everyone's kind of like, well, I got a couple. How many of you know that diamonds are from God's coal? Right? Many of you drove a car here today. The metal that is in your car, there's not as much anymore, but the metal that's in your car, it came from God's oars, the clothes that we're wearing today. They came from plants. Even, even the things we play with, like, like I've always had a basketball since I can remember. Even the rubber basketball, that, that's made from latex. Latex is, ex, is extracted from plants and, and dandelions. It's that white milky liquid. You know when you break a dandelion, you see a little white stuff? That's, that's the latex. That's what rubber is created from. You're like, you're like, I don't care. It's okay. Just stay with me. The silicone, the silicone in, in microchips that makes microchips that makes our phones and our computers work, that's made from natural elements. The houses we live in, the, the wood, the stone, the brick, all of that comes from God's creation. The paper that your money is printed on, where does that come from? It comes from his trees. How can we say that anything belongs to us? God owns it all. We have to get this revelation to understand stewardship and fulfill our calling as stewards. This is absolutely the foundation right here. Because listen, you can earn it. You can work for it. You can, you can have your name on the check or your name on the deed, but make no mistake about it, it's not yours. It's all his. It's all his. See, I own my house, and and everything in in my house is mine. That includes uh, my kids. My kids are mine, and, and everything they own is mine because it's my house. Right, Isaiah, do you have your phone with you today? Could you hold it up for everybody? Just hold it up high. That's mine. <laughs> That's my phone. Okay, I, I can take that phone away anytime I want to. He manages it. <laughs> he uses it. Right, he's got his name on it. But make no mistake about it, that's mine. Okay, and, and the same goes with, with God. The earth is his and everything in it belongs 
to him. But wait a second, I paid for my stuff. I earned that money and I paid for that stuff. Who gives you the ability to produce wealth? Right? All the things that are hanging in Isaiah's closet. He said, wait, I paid for that hoodie. No, 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 no. Who gave you the ability to pay for that hoodie? Right? It was me. Just in, case we're, just in case we're not clear, it was me. All right? And, and so it, with us, though, it's, it's God, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not yours. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, it's his. It's not yours. It's his. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. Do you know that you don't even own your life? You don't even own your life because at any time, God can take it away from you. That your very next breath that you breathe is because he allows it. You don't even own your life. Everything in this world is his. We own nothing. He's the owner, we're the managers. He's the owner, we're the managers. We belong to God's management company. God's entrusted to us his possessions and people in our life for us to care for and to cultivate and to bring the best out of and to manage. Why? It's for his purposes. It's to build his kingdom. It's for his glory. That's why he gives us these things. That's why he blesses us, so that we can honor him, so we can build his kingdom, so we can glorify his name. But the problem comes when we start to have an owner's mentality. That when we start to take ownership of these things, that we're only charged to care for. And so if we have an owner's mentality about the things in our life, then what we do is we start to impose our plans and our purposes and our way of thinking and our way of doing things. And we start to treat them and do with these things that God's given us outside of The owner's manual. The Bible, of course, is the owner's manual. God's written down everything we need to know in order to successfully manage, successfully steward everything that he's given us. He's given you relationships. You have wives and husbands and children and friendship. And in his manual, he gives us instructions in how to love and respect People and maintain these relationships and cultivate these relationships for his glory and his purposes. God's given you resources. He's given you finances. And in his owner's manual, he gives us specific instructions about tithes and offering and how to protect our money from the devourer so we can build his kingdom, so we can fill heaven. That's the purpose of our money. It's to fill heaven. He's given us our health. 
And he teaches us in the manual that we're to honor him with our bodies because they're not ours, but we're bought at a price. So we need to treat our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit where God lives. And so when we start to function outside the owner's manual and when we impose our thinking and our way of doing things, we will absolutely make a mess of our money, our relationships, our health, our ministry. The list goes on and on and on. We can make a mess. See, we take ownership of our finances, now all of a sudden our debt gets out of control. We take ownership of our bodies and now we're dealing with some very serious health conditions that were preventable. Okay, I'm not saying every time we get sick it's because of this, but this is one of the reasons when we take ownership. Right, when we take ownership of relationships, now they're, they're full of strife and discord because we've taken ownership of the relationship. Start to impose our will. Start to impose our way of thinking and doing things instead of what the manual says. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. See, that's, that's that pride. When pride comes, when we start to think, that we can do this better. When we start to think, God, I know more than you. I know better than you how to deal with this situation. Right? That's what's going to lead to trouble and shame and disgrace and dishonor. Here's a very important life point. As managers, we need to trust the ownership. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Amen? That's from the message. I don't use the message a lot um, because it seems made up. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I think think the Holy Spirit is definitely in that translation, but... But I like, the way, I like the way the message says this. But it's only in Christ that we're able to do all things. In Brett, I'm able to do all things wrong. Is that, is that right? In Brett, I'm able to do all things wrong. I have the ability, the capability to do all things wrong. But in Christ, we could do all things. Does anyone else here make, make, make a mess of things when you don't follow the manual or trust the ownership? A couple of you, thank you. Appreciate it. We, so, so in order for us to be good stewards, we really have to change our thinking. We need a manager mentality. We have to go from it's mine to its mind to manage, right? It's mine to its mind to manage. And once we have that manager mentality, now just think, thinking of finances, now we can be generous with our money. Now we can follow God's manual in giving because we realize it's not ours, but we're just managers, April, could I have your help for a second? 
Um, I've got uh, just whatever I have in my wallet here. Uh, just so happens I've got $100 in my wallet. I've got a 50, I've got two 20s, and, and I've got two fives. Okay? So, April, can you just hold on to that for a second? Okay. April, can I just get that back from you? Okay, thank you. So, April, tell us, won't you even use the mic? Tell us, tell us, why was that so easy for you to give that back to me? Because it's, because it's not yours, and because they're all watching, and you don't want them to know that you sometimes take things from people. Okay, but ultimately, it's because it's, yours. it's, because it's mine, okay? Um, now, that's, that's an easy illustration, because you saw me give her the money, she gave it back. Now, what if, what if she had her, her wallet with her, and I said, April, can I have $100 out of your wallet, please? Then it's different because what happens right away we go from that manager mentality to the owner mentality. Well, that's different because that's mine. You see what I'm saying? Wait, wait a second, God. That, I don't think you understand, God. That's my money. <laughs> you must be thinking of, you know, you want to tell me something different, differently. Okay, so that, that's the first part. So April, can you hold on to that again? April, I just want you to look around the crowd here. Look around the crowd. And April, what I want you to do is um, I want you to give that $100 to somebody in this room. Awesome. There you go. Is it Kebanesh? Kebanesh. Um, so thank you, April. What? Why just you're not quite done yet? It, it's easy because it's mine. It's my money. Okay, you're not quite done yet. Um, and so, Kebanesh, that's your money. That's your money now. Okay. And so, Kebanesh, um, I'd like you to give ten percent of that money back to the person who gave it to you. What's ten percent of a hundred dollars? $10. Okay, so Kebanesh, I'd like you to give $10 back to the person who gave it to you right there. Okay. Kebanesh, was it easy for you to give that $10 to the person who gave it to you? Was that easy for you to do? Was that easy? Oh, no, 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 Kebanesh. You don't have to give any more money away. That $90 is now yours. But when you gave that $10 to April, was that easy? Was that difficult for you to do that? Or was that easy for you to do that? It was easy, right? Right? And, and it's easy because you were probably just thankful that you got $100, that she blessed you with $100. Right? Amen. Right? See, when we, when we realize that it's God's blessing us, that, that it's easy now to give it back because we know that it's his. Thank you, Kevin Nash. Thank you, April. That's, that's yours. Okay, good job. Yeah, let's, let's thank them. It's so much easier to obey the manual when you don't own anything. It's just so much easier. In every respect, every, every guard, 
Okay. Um, Aaron Harder, uh, he, he, he uh, organized a shooting event last night. And, and, and see, see, when we don't own anything, it, it just everything works in the kingdom of God. So he organized a shooting event, and he asked some, some of the guys if they have trucks. So I've got a little blue truck, right, and, and to use for the event. And, and, of course, you can use it, Aaron. Why? Because it's not mine. It's not mine, right? Um, of course I'm going to give it to you to help people connect and, and build God's kingdom, right? Because it's not mine. It's his. And I'm not saying that that means, okay, well, now we have to give away and loan everything to everybody no matter what. Sometimes being a good steward is saying no, right? But, but the determining factor is always does this honor God? Does this bring glory to God? And it just absolutely helps us to be a better steward understanding that it's his and we're just managers. When I was in grade 12, um, there was a guy in my church. His name was Stan. He was an, he was an older single guy. Uh, maybe in his 40s or something. He's a really cool guy. And he had this, this really cool uh, sports car. And so for my grade 12 grad, I asked him if I could use this, his car, this sports car, for grad. And so he said yes. And, uh, and so I'm, I, I take it. And um, when I'm driving, um, my date actually is kind of making fun of me a little bit because I was going so slow. Right, and I'm driving this awesome sports car, but I'm driving it so slow because I don't want anything to happen. I'm trying to be so careful with this thing. And, and, and then after I return it back to him, before I return it back to him, I clean it, and I fill it with gas, and I, I make sure it's even better than it was when he first gave it to me, right? And, and that's what happens with, with, um, with, when we understand that we have that manager mentality that we're going to treat things better and manage things better the relationships in our life we're going to manage them better because we understand this isn't mine but God's blessed me with this God's given me this this friend this spouse this child and now I've got to be careful I've got to be careful to follow the manual and I've got to be careful to cultivate this and and to to and to to be careful with this this possession this precious possession that God's given me so that I can bring him glory and build his kingdom. It's a very important life point. Your ability to honor God in stewardship comes down to whether you are the owner or the manager. We've already established you're not the owner, but it's a, it's a hard issue, isn't it? Right? God might be the owner, but, but you might think you're the owner. Right? And so we need to ask ourselves, is it yours or is it his? Is it yours or is it God's? Amen. So number one, you own nothing. Number two, we are managers. And number three, one day the master will return. One day the master will return. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? The master is coming back. And he's coming to settle accounts with unbelievers and believers. Okay? And so um, one day every believer in Jesus Christ 
is going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. This is the, the Bema seat of Christ, and we're going to be held accountable. And, and that, that, that judgment seat, it's, we think of it like, sometimes I think we think of it like a, like a courtroom, like where Jesus has a gavel, and he's like handing down a judgment. But it's not like that. That, that word is more like uh, at the Olympics, when someone's standing on a podium and, and then the person gives them a reward, that's more what that is, the Bema seat, okay? And so, and so our rewards and our responsibilities for, the, to, for that millennial reign of Christ, for that next thousand years is going to be impacted tremendously by our stewardship, our stewardship, right? But what I want us to see in this parable is that this matters to God. This matters to God. Look at, how G, look at how the master in the parable responded to the servants. When, when he came back to settle accounts with the first two servants, he was, he was just so excited with what they did, and he rewarded them. But, but we can especially see this with, with that one talent servant who was that terrible steward of what God gave him. What happened to that servant? He, I mean, the master was disgusted by him. What did he call him? Wicked and lazy. Right? He took, and then he took the talent. He took the blessing away from him. He didn't trust him with his resources any longer. And the consequence was extreme. Would you agree? No matter what your interpretation of that is, the consequence was extreme. And I get it. I get it. This matters to God. But, but if I go away for a long time and, and I entrust someone with resources to take care of my family, to take care of my wife and my children while I'm gone, and then I return to find out that they're not doing well and all those resources I gave to take care of my family were not being used for the purpose for which I gave them. That's going to make me upset. I'm going to take that very personally because that's my wife and that's my children. And I love them so much. When Jesus left, he said, take care of my church. He gave us resources to build his kingdom and to fill heaven. What's the church? The church is the bride of Christ. He's asking us to take care of his bride. This is personal to God. How did he establish the church? He gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is very, very personal to God. Our stewardship matters to God. And so when I stand at that famous seat, when you stand at that judgment seat before Jesus... There's one thing that I desperately want him to say 
Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Hallelujah.